0: Welcome to the Sex, Money and Rage podcast.
1: You know, when you're in that sort of dark place, it's very hard to find motivation or to find purpose or to find anything that, that really calls out to you, just to really feel anything. Like anyone who's sort of experienced depression can probably relate, like you sort of end up in this place where you sort of feel half dead, like you're alive, but nothing really gives you joy. Even even amazing things that happen around you, they don't really seem to touch your heart, and you just feel kind of—it's almost like being on the water or something—and it's it's horrible. And I've sort of dealt with that off and on throughout my life um, in different stages. Yeah, it's—it wasn't until I really sort of found a different way of approaching my my mind and dealing with with all that stuff that. I was able to make any progress.
0: Hello Rages and welcome back to Sex, Money and Rage. I'm your host Ellie and today I have an epic interview for you. My cousin Jack has recently been part of a ketamine study slash trial in Australia for war veterans and so we talked a bit about what that was like, what happens in a ketamine session, as well as nervous system work, how to channel and work with your rage in a healthy way, uh, the limits of meditation and how Jack actually found he was dissociating when he was meditating and running away from his feelings instead of being present with his body and just the power of being in your body versus in your mind. And we also talked about what brought Jack into all of these alternative therapies and his experience with anxiety and depression and wanting to find who he was and enjoy his life, you know. So if you've ever felt anxious or depressed, what's the point of anything? If you've ever been curious about alternative therapies like ketamine therapy or working with your nervous system, then this episode is for you. If you have been listening and you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe or follow button, make sure notifications are ticked. And then every Sunday you'll get a little pop up on your phone from me, from yours truly saying, listen, check this episode out. So it's just a quick way to stay in touch. It helps me. Grow the podcast. It shows the algorithm gods, whoever they are, that this is a sick podcast. So, if you've already done it, thank you, thank you, thank you. And yeah, let's jump in. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I had so much fun. So, check it out. Uh, I'm here today with my cousin Jack. How are you going today, Jack? What's What's new?
1: Yeah, gone good, gone good. Um, What's new? Well. I'm in Canberra. It's starting to get cold. That's one thing. So I'm making sure to be rugged up, and yeah. all that sort of business. But um, yeah, things are good. How are you going?
0: Nice. Yeah, I'm. I'm good. It's also getting a bit cold here in Peru. It's um, it d- does it snow in Canberra? Sometimes it does. Hey, in
1: in winter. Um, well, we're pretty close to the snowfields, but sometimes you can see a bit of snow on the distant sort of mountain peaks. But it's not. It's not that common, but surrounding areas get snow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. Similar to here, like the, the tops of the mountains, some of them have snow all year round. I think, yeah, I've, I've seen them with snow all year round, but we don't get any snow, unfortunately in, in the town where we live, but definitely on the surrounding right. mountains, which is cool. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, um, we've got a, a few interesting, interesting things to cover today. Um, but maybe we can start off with, um, yeah, just a bit about, I guess, cause I know you have been doing some ketamine therapy, um, recently, which we'll get into, but maybe we can start with sort of what, what made you sort of get into, um, the ketamine therapy and, and I know you're into the somatics as well. What, what were you like, I guess, before all of that and what sort of prompted you to look at these alternative modalities?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, I guess probably like as a bit of an introduction, um, I think growing up, like I grew up in Sydney, Australia, spent a lot of time at the beach and, sort of surf culture and skateboarding and all that sort of stuff running around being a bit of a rat bag, um, <laughs> with my mates, which is, you know, always good fun. Um, but I think I've always been searching for something. Um, not really sure what it was, spent a lot of time going to church. Um, and then just, you know, trying, not trying out different sort of things, you know, skateboarding or surfing or identity, like just had a bit of an identity sort of issue um, growing up, I think, and, um, never really was sure where I fit or at least that's what it felt like. And, um, and as I got, as I got a bit older, I started having experiences with things like anxiety and depression and just feeling, don't you know, it's just feeling a bit off or feeling like something wasn't quite right. And, um, that just kind of continued to sort of hang around like throughout my life. Um, so I'm 32 now, um, as, and, um, I'm living in Canberra. So sort of, I feel like at this point in my life, I'm, I'm much more clear on who I am and the direction I'm heading, but it's taken a, a long time to get to that point. So I spent some time in the army. Um, I did four years in the army and that was really kind of the catalyst for me for change, um, prior to that I'd worked just about every job that you can do without having any kind of formal qualifications I spent some time doing construction and labouring I did um, I spent some time at the Australian Institute of Music studying um, you know I, I did telemarketing I did bar work gardening I worked at a port it's like just just everything and I think I was always trying to find that missing piece like oh maybe i can be a tradie maybe that will give me that satisfaction and sense of fulfillment oh maybe maybe i'll work in sales and i'll i'll be like some sales sales guru or something and i don't know i'd sort of hop between thing and then i'd be like no i didn't really find what i was looking for there and i kept going until eventually i got to the army and that was kind of the best fit out of all of them um that's it sort of felt like a bit like coming home in a way um when I, when I started with that. So, um, yeah, and did some time in the army and got out and had to transition back into normal life. And that's when things kind of really got tough for me because I lost that sense of identity and that sense of, of who I was. And it's been a bit of a, a journey to get to where I am now, where I feel like I'm actually closer to who who I truly am than I've ever been, but yeah, it hasn't been an easy road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So many things to touch on, but what, so, so you mentioned you had the anxiety and depression, um, and just not sure where you fit in. Did the army help sort of help you find your identity or help you figure out who you were or what sort of helped you with that?
1: Yeah. Well, um, (laughs) the thing about the army is they sort of, they kind of give you an identity like, uh, which, Yeah, you know, everyone (laughs) has the same kind of identity. So, you know, there's some good things about the army, but then there's obviously some not so good things. Like it is an institution and you go in there and they basically strip you down to, you know, base level and then build you back up into the person they want you to be, which is, you know, a soldier that follows orders and all that sort of thing. So, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's, it's not all good, but for me, it really gave me the stability and structure that, um, that I think I was looking for and, you know, met a lot of amazing, amazing people, some great mates. Um, and yeah, so I think it clicked for me because it was sort of, it was very challenging and it was, you know, had a lot of self doubt going into it. Like, I don't even know if I can do this, you know, what, like what am I? Like, yeah. I remember getting there, and just being like, "What am I doing?" Like all my mates are back home, just <laughs> chilling out at you know at the pub, or and I'm here, you know, out in the bush, crawling through the mud. It's raining, it's cold, and you know, it's all these these kinds of you know moments that made that made me sort of question what I was doing. But um, I don't know. I just had this this drive or this calling in me. Like no, this is exactly this is exactly what I want to do. And um, yeah, yeah, it really was probably the biggest, one of the biggest catalysts in my life, um, for change. Like, because prior to that, I was just aimless. I was just living sort of, yeah, like job to job, week to week, didn't have any real purpose. And then after that, yeah, uh, I was sort of on this path that unfortunately the army defined the path, but I, nonetheless, I was still on a path. So yeah, it was really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and so with the anxiety and and depression, what, what was it like living with that? Like what, how did that sort of manifest itself in your life?
1: Yeah. Um, well I think growing up there was, I don't know, some things that happened that weren't that great. Um, and then, um, flowing on from that, I don't know, life just happens and things just build up. So, um, um, yeah, I think growing up, you know, um, there was some, some stuff that sort of happens to people around me or, or things that I witnessed that, that had a big impact on me and just, just sort of left me feeling just a bit lost and, and a bit, a bit sort of dark, had, had a lot of issues with anger and things like that. So, um, yeah, you know, it, when you're in that sort of dark place, it's very hard to find motivation or to find purpose or to find anything that, that really calls out to you, you know, just to really feel anything. Like anyone who's sort of experienced depression can probably relate. Like you sort of end up in this place where you sort of feel half dead, like you're alive, but nothing really gives you joy, you know, um, even, even amazing things that happen around you. They don't really seem to touch your heart and you just feel kind of, it's almost like being underwater or something. And it's, you know, it's horrible. Um, and I've sort of Mm. dealt with that off and on throughout my life, um, in different stages. But, uh, yeah, it's, it wasn't until I really sort of found a different way of approaching my, my mind and, you know, dealing with, with all that stuff that I was able to make any progress. Like I tried the talk therapy kind of road for quite a long time. Um, yeah. Which I think is, is fantastic by the way. Like I did cognitive behavioral therapy for a long time, but but I feel like that's only really effective up to a point because you kind of go in and Mm -hmm. you see a, a counselor or a therapist and you know, at first it's amazing because you get all this stuff off your chest and you're able to really, for me anyway, as someone who's a bit more introverted, to be able to just go in and just vent and just say things that I haven't said to anyone. Yeah. Yeah it's very cathartic. It's almost like, in a way, it's almost like going to confession. Um, yeah. so <laughs> it feels like that. Um, so yeah. funny story, actually a bit of a side note. Um, I was in, uh, in Rome at, at one stage and I actually went to the Vatican and, and I'm not Catholic as you know, but I was over there and I yeah, thought, yeah. Oh, well I'm here, you know, I'm in, in the Vatican. I might as well do confession. And, um, so I went, yeah. I went in there and, um, I went into the little confession, confession booth and I was like, Oh, I I don't really know what to say. Like, um, you know, I don't know how to start this. And I was like, well, what do they say in the movies? Oh, they say, Oh, forgive me, father of sin. So I said that. And the guy responded in (laughs) another language. I I wasn't in the English speaking one. And I was like, Oh, um, English. He's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Go next door. So I I went, went into the the next door, the English one. And, um, I did the confession and, um, you (laughs) know, it was a little bit strange, but I was like, Oh, like it works. Getting stuff off your chest is especially if you you're carrying yeah. around you know some kind of burden unburdening yourself it goes a long way but after a certain point i think you need more than that and that's where yeah. the body based therapies um come in
0: yeah yeah definitely i i can relate to that i did a lot of talk therapy as well and and you're absolutely right like there's definitely a, like value in in talk therapy and cbt but i hit the same point i got to a point and like okay this isn't working anymore like i don't like i've talked about like everything i can think of and like i still like i feel stuff in my body and so i was like okay so that was, that was uh maybe 4 years ago 4 or 5 years ago and so i was like okay i'm going to go and find like a body based practitioner. And I ended up finding, I think there was two somatic therapists in Brisbane and I found one of them and we hit it off. And that was the beginning of how I discovered somatic therapy and somatic, you know, experiencing and, and body-based yeah. Therapy, which just changed my life. Um, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's amazing when that kind of penny drops. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, cause at least in Australia, in my experience, not that many therapists really go into the body very much. It's very much in the head. No, It's very it's much, you know, very what's uncommon. This, yeah. And you know, the question is normally what's the story, what's the, what's happened to you? Let's talk about what's happened to you. Let's try and reframe it like as some positive thing or, you know, whatever it might be. But if you don't deal yeah. with that underlying feeling in the body, um, or the charge in the system, it's, you, you kind of end up just, you get to a point where it's like, okay, like I feel pretty good about everything that sort of happens in my life. Like, um, you know, there's been some good stuff, some bad stuff, and maybe some trauma, but you know, like cognitively I can look at it and be okay, but I still feel like shit what's going on. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it's sort of, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, yeah, that is that is exactly what happened to me. It's um, I think it's pretty common. Like, you know, um, it's happened to a few people I know, and and it was interesting because I, I was actually reading a blog post today from Seth Lyon, who, um, you probably you probably know of him, Irene yeah, Lyon's yeah. husband, and um, and he was just explaining you know, like, which this is what I experienced as well was, you know, people have this fight or flight energy in their system, you know, which, which is basically anxiety, right? It's this fight or flight activation. But if you don't know how to release that from your body, like if you're just stuck in that fight or flight mode, if you're always basically always anxious, having panic attacks, which... Was what was happening to me. He's like, after a while, like that takes so much energy that you end up then going into depression, which is a freeze response. So he was explaining that, you know, initially, you know, when you go through a really crazy situation or event, or it doesn't even have to be that crazy, it can just be a parent, you know, neglecting you or ignoring you or what have you. Um, so initially you go into fight or flight, but if you can't, you know, run away. And if you can't fight, then you'll shift into freeze. And that's that kind of explanation of, you know, the fight or flight energy being anxiety and the freeze response being the depression and how they can combine with just really enlightening for me. Cause I was like, yeah, like that's how it felt. You know, like I was having these, you know, panic attacks at work and it just got so much that then the depression came in, like you said, and you have these like, you know, what's the point? And it's just kind of like being half dead. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really, yeah. Interesting.
1: It's a totally different way of looking at things. Um, that kind of nervous yep. system framework with the, the fight flight freeze. Um, it makes perfect sense. And it's funny once you start learning about this sort of nervous system world, you start to see it in, obviously you see it in yourself, but you start to see it in people around you. Like I'd see it in people I worked with or, you know, just, you know, even just friends, you see how they've got the accelerator of their nervous system like to the floor, but they've also got the brake and the handbrake on as well. So they're, they're pushing and trying and, um, you know, like, basically running off stress and, and adrenaline and usually, you know, a lot of coffee as well. And they're just like in this crazy kind of, you know, workaholic sort of mode almost. But then at the same time, they, they're not connected. They're not really embodied. They're not really aware of, you know, what's happening around them. Um, they're very much in their head. And, And I say they. I'm, I'm talking about myself as well, obviously. Um, yeah. So I yeah. think for me, like that was a big piece of the puzzle. It's like, it's like, okay. Like, cause it gets funny, right? We have all these labels for things like anxiety, depression, and but really like, like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to have anxiety or to feel depressed or it's like it's something that, that you feel it's, it's, it's your experience of the world. It's your experience of life. And it's, you, you know, it's great. You know, you look at animals and you don't really see that many animals that have a lot of these mental health problems that we have. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but I think we need to remember that at least on some level, we're very similar to animals. Like, yes, we have like, you know, the higher functions of, um, you know, like cognitive abilities and things like that. But, like we're still mammals, we're still animals, so there's a lot of crossover and a lot of similarities. So I think, especially if you're someone that's grown up with a lot of violence or trauma, or just um, you know, doesn't even have to be big stuff. Just like you know, everyone has some kind of issue with their parents. I think so. Um,
0: yeah. Those <laughs> things, can, <laughs>
1: those things can kind of just get stuck in your system, <laughs> and you know, it can be very helpful to to, to go to sort of go a little bit into that and and be like, Oh, okay. So when somebody, when somebody yells at me, I get really triggered. It's like, well, why is that? And it was maybe because, you know, someone in my family did that when I was young. And now when, you know, someone at work does it, it takes me back to that place. And it's like, Oh, okay. So you get that little bit of a, the mental side of it, of like, Oh, this is what's going on. But that doesn't really change that much. But then what I like to do is if I feel like something's, coming up for me it's like it's super simple it's like you just you just look around you look around the room or wherever wherever you're at and you realize oh i'm actually not in that traumatic memory or i'm not in that place i'm here there's safety in my environment i'm safe can i feel my feet on the ground like am i aware of the sensation of my feet on the floor it's like yeah okay i can sort of lock in on that great It's like, can i feel my weight in the chair yeah okay cool so like like I'm here, I'm safe. Is there anything going, going on right now? Is there anyone coming to get me or anything bad? No. Oh, okay, cool. And it's just, it sounds so simple, but it's like just letting your body and your system know that, Hey, everything's actually okay. Like, and whatever's, you know, maybe you've got the racing heart or the tightness in the chest and, and that's real and it's valid, but it's just sort of reminding yourself very gently that like, like we're here, we're not in the past. We're not in that, that memory. We're somewhere safe. And it's amazing. Like at least in my experience, it's amazing what such a simple thing like that as orienting to the safety in your environment can do. Um, It really does work wonders. And the more that you do it, you, you start to kind of build that connection with, with your own system and with yourself. And it sort of gets stronger and stronger to where rather than having to do it for say five minutes to try and get the system to drop down, it might take five seconds. And you can just be like, can I feel the ground? Yep. Okay, sweet. I'm good. And it's sort of really just like, it just brings everything down. Um, so I don't know if your experience with orienting has been kind of similar to that, or if you have a different sort of approach, but um, for me, I've found that the simple stuff really like the foundations of somatic work, it just, it goes a huge way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, like I completely agree. It's blown my mind just how powerful those simple, you know, shifts can be. It's like, you know, the, 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 the thing for me that sort of pulled it all together was feeling your feet on the ground, noticing your breath and looking around the room, like at the same time, and then like layering these sensations or these you know, senses together where, you know, sometimes, and then it's like, can I hear the birds or can I hear a sound and can I, you know, consume or orient these four or five different senses in the environment to connect, to notice, okay, I'm, I'm safe. And like, you're right. Like your whole system drop, your shoulders drop. Like, it's like your body just does this collective sigh of relief. Of, exactly, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm safe. Yeah. 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 and, And it's, it's like building that external awareness while feeling say a really intense emotion like terror or, or fear or what have you come through. And it's balancing that external awareness of your environment and that safety with this powerful, you know, fight or flight charge that may be coming through. Cause you know, if it got interrupted when we're a child, you know, say we got really scared, but it wasn't safe to express that fear you know, when we're an adult, we're going to get triggered. That fear just wants to complete that response, that survival response just wants to complete. And so if we can maintain that awareness of the safety in the environment that gives, while also letting that charge have a chance to complete, it's, um, it's super powerful. Like it's, it blows my mind. I could, you know, I've just been reading more and more about it because I think the scientific lens like really takes the blame out of it, you know, because it's like, Oh, like, you know, your nervous system is responding in this way. And so it can take the pressure off of like, Oh, like I'm just, this is a survival response. You know, this is just, I did this to survive rather than like, Oh, I'm a bad person and why can't I get my shit together? So yeah, it's, it, yeah I find it good
1: in that sense. Yeah. That's a big one, isn't it? That's a huge one Yeah. <laughs> because there's so much, Yeah. there's so much self blame and shame around, um, like not being okay. Um,
0: you
1: know, if whatever that means, but you know, even if you're just really stressed out, it's like, no, no one likes to admit that, Hey, like I'm actually not, um, I'm not doing that great right now. Um, but like, there's this real stigma about it. And I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of reasons for that, but the nervous system lens, it kind of cuts through all that. Even and it cuts yep. through all, all the labels and the diagnoses and everything. It's just, it's like, well, what's happening in the system? Yeah, your nervous system is dysregulated due to, you know, what you've been through. It's like, it's it's actually really normal. <laughs> like yeah. it happens to everyone. Like there's nothing <laughs> to everyone. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, some people might be further towards one end of the spectrum with the dish regulation than others. And, you know, it's like, it's okay. It's, um, yeah. So like, I, I know for me, um, it's just been a game changer. Um, and it's something that I continue to work with, um, on usually a daily basis. Like I'll, I'll spend a bit of time, like dedicated time usually each morning where I essentially just get up and I just go and sit in my backyard and just sort of just be there and just be in that moment and um, maybe have a cup of tea or something, but I'm just sitting there. You know, there's no, there's no phones or books or, or anything. I'm just there. And I'm, I'm listening to whatever's going on around me, whether it's birds or, you know, noisy cars in the street or whatever it might be. Um, And I'm looking around, I'm looking, you know, the plants around me and keep keeping my eyes open, which I, I think that's a big one as well, because, I got really into meditation, um, for quite a while. And yeah, you know, med- everyone knows about the sort of hype and benefits of meditation, um, at this stage, like with mindfulness therapy and all those sorts of things. So look, meditation's great, but if you're dysregulated in your nervous system and then you are trying to meditate all the time, you kind of just, it's, it's you're bypassing your, your system and you're kind of just going into a bit of a bit more of that freeze that we were talking about.
0: Yeah. And dissociation. That, yeah. yeah
1: dissociation. Absolutely. Like I know that was what was happening to some extent with me. Like I'd be not feeling great and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go and meditate and I'd sit there and I'd close my eyes and go internal and focus on my breath. And, um, you know, like you get, you get pretty good at it after a while. Like, and I could sit there for half an hour or an hour with my eyes shut being really still, in my body and just allowing the breath to come and go. And you sort of, uh, at least for me, I would go into some kind of altered state that was very blissful and very peaceful and calm. And I'd feel like, Oh, you know, it doesn't matter what's happening around me. Nothing can touch me and all these sorts of things. And, you know, like it feels great, but it wasn't translating into the rest of my life. Like I would do that in the morning or throughout the day, and then I'd jump in the car and you know, go for a drive. And someone would pull out in front of me. And, you know, up until that point, I'd been very Zen and calm. And someone pulls out in front of me and I'm like, oh, you're fucking like, you know, <laughs> start, <laughs> start carrying on like a like a pork chop. So um, yeah.
0: the pork chop, I love that.
1: <laughs> it just it wasn't translating. Whereas yeah. And then and, and then, and then I'd beat myself up about it. I'd be like, Oh, why am I getting angry? Like I shouldn't be getting angry. I'm supposed to be, you know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm someone that meditates. I'm supposed to be just calm all the time. And then yeah, um, yeah. My, 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 approach on that's a bit different now. But, uh, so I think meditation is great. It has its place, but for me, it got to the point where I was disassociating. And then once I, once that kind of landed for me and I realized what I was doing, like once I was aware that, Oh, Hey, like I'm actually I'm, I'm, I'm becoming less embodied the more that I meditate and I'm becoming mm. like more distant from my own life, life, the more that I meditate. Once I realized that it was very hard for me to keep doing it because I knew I had all this kind of stuff in my life that I was running away from. And I was just running mm. away to, you know, the meditation cushion and because I could go there and have this little, I don't know moment or feeling of whatever bliss or peace or everything is okay sort of thing. But nothing was changing, nothing was getting solved, and it wasn't until I was like, "All right, let's actually feel what's happening in the body. Let's feel that anger. Let's feel you know some of that grief and that pain, and start to just just connect with what's there." That's when things started shifting, Um, but. I'm sure like most people, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to like, there's a reason that we run from this stuff. It's, it's often pretty, (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty uncomfortable stuff to feel.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like there's a reason it's buried deep inside of us, you know? And, and, and I think that, yeah, that's, that's a really important point of, of, you know, people who meditate or practice even mindfulness. It's, it's, they might have really, really good internal awareness, you know, in, in, in the sense of noticing, you know, their, their thoughts and different things. But then it's like, yeah, you, you're meditating in a very controlled, quiet, usually environment, right? Everything's calm. You're usually in your room. There's, you know, not much going on. And so then, you know, put that person, like you said, in like a, you know, a in a car on, in the middle of traffic or put them in a, the middle of their family argument, you know, (laughs) and and just like, how zen Are they actually, you know, I think someone said that in a a meditation book of like, if you think you're enlightened, go and spend a week with your family in a cabin somewhere and like, see how you are at the end of that week kind of thing. And, 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 and so it's like, yeah, like, you know, that dis- disconnection from yourself but then the somatics it's like it's bringing that internal awareness and the external awareness together to then cuz yeah like there's big shit that will come out of your body and it's you know like often you know we feel like we're going to die you know when we go through these life situations you know even if we're not actually going to die you know like when your parent yells at you when you're a child like it can then make your system, your nervous system think like there's a massive threat, you know, I have to run away, like I have to get to safety. I and mean, when that's your primary caregiver that's doing that to you, you know, like your whole like I think Gabo Mate talks about this, you know, as children, like you prioritize connection over yes. like connection with your pair with your caregiver over like your own like safety and well-being, And so if it's not safe to express that emotion or that charge, like it just gets locked inside. And so once this stuff starts to come up out of your body, I mean, I know I was like, holy shit, like this is intense, you know? And, and like you said, there's a reason we, we run away from it, you know? And, and, and I think too, like as we build capacity in our nervous system, in our body, like the bigger the stuff that will come out. And so it's it's a real practice, <laughs> you know, yeah. being able to let hold, hold that space for it to come up. And, and, you know, I mean, there's been times where in the past stuff's come up and I'm like, I feel like I'm going insane. Like this is wild <laughs> shit. Like I don't even know where this is coming from, you know? Yeah. Um, and to maintain that groundedness, like you said before, and the connection to the environment, I think is, is like such a key part of it. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, I think it's really good. You mentioned capacity. Um, and that's something that doesn't get talked about. Um, or at least in the circles that I sort of, uh, like my friends and stuff, it's, you, I never hear mm-hmm. it. And it's so important. This idea of capacity that like your system can only kind of handle so much. Um, and yeah. everyone's going to be at a different point because especially now, you know, we hear so much about these big, you know, um, cathartic releases, like, and they're quite explosive. Like, you know, you go and do a, 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 holotropic breath work course or like the Wim Hof breathing. And it's, it's very intense. And, you know, you, you, you're stimulating your system. It's like, let's bring everything up now. Let's get it all done. Let's get it all. Let's get it out in one go. And, um, mm. you know, it doesn't always, it doesn't always go that well. Like I know for me, um, mm. kind of early on in my sort of when I first was just getting into the somatic stuff, but not really like I wasn't really doing the work. I just heard people talk about it and I thought, Oh yeah, like I have all this stuff kind of trapped in my body. Like, you know, the body keeps the score, like I have all this trauma or pain or anger or something somehow in my body. I need, I need, I just need to get it out. I just need to get it out with no kind of thought to looking after myself in that process. I thought, Oh yeah, it's just in there. I'll just mm-hmm. get it out. And I know for me, I had one experience in particular um, with psychedelics where um, I did uh, ayahuasca in kind of a um, non-traditional setting Um, and the goal was to heal. Like my intention was like just I need to – like I need – I need to work through some of this stuff, whatever it is, not even sure what it is. I just need to, you know, work through this feeling and and try and try and let go of whatever I'm holding on to. And, um, I went into that experience, you know, as prepared as I could, I took it really seriously, but my system was just not in a place where it could handle like a relatively large dose of, of plant medicine um and it was it was traumatic like it was you know some good came did come out of it but for my system it was like I couldn't hold that that energy that came up I couldn't hold that level of um anger and pain that surfaced at that point in time because it was like I didn't have the capacity and, um, it ended up being a bit of a, you know, a bit of a train wreck, um, in terms of that ceremony. And that was a big, a big, big, um, you know, lesson for me that you can't rush this stuff. Like it really is, you know, slow and steady wins the race, like doing a little bit each day yeah. goes a long way. It makes a huge difference. If you try and do it all at once. You know, you've got to be careful because, um, especially if you're, You know, involved in the world of plant medicine and psychedelics, and you know, they're all the rage now. Obviously, you you know, even on Netflix, there's shows about psychedelics, and you know, people who I never in a million years would have thought, oh, yeah, they would do psychedelics. They, you know, start saying, oh, I tried this, or it's like, wow, like it's just everywhere. But people aren't having the conversation as well of. You know, hey, if you do too much or you don't have the capacity to handle these experiences, like look out because shit can get pretty yeah. real and um <laughs> very quickly, yeah, <laughs> very quickly, yeah, and it you know yeah. it can take a while to integrate um so look that was that was a huge lesson for me, and funnily enough, that experience is what led me to go deeper with the body based somatic type work because um. I was basically flung into disassociation and um, needed to find a way back to to my body, sort of thing. And it was through um, a bunch of different courses that I did on the nervous system, and um, you know, p- people like Peter Levine and Irene Lyon and um, some of these uh, kind of figures in that sort of scene. Their work really helped guide me. Um, back into a place where i had the experience of safety and groundedness and but it it wasn't overnight it was chipping away at it and that was probably two or three years ago now and um i can't even the way i the way i was feeling when i was in that sort of space um after doing that ceremony and um you know i was still doing counseling and, and traditional therapy, but also doing a lot of meditation, um, compared to how I feel now, it's like, it's a night and day difference. Um, I'm so much more embodied now. Um, and I still have obviously have a long way to go, but it's, yeah. Um, I don't feel like I'm, I'm running away from my problems anymore. Um, and, or, or running, not even my problems running away from my feelings, anymore. Um, I'm trying to actually sit with them and listen to them and see what's there. Um, and, uh, you know, some people seem to be able to do that from birth, but it's taken me 32 years to acknowledge that, Hey, I actually have feelings and, um, maybe I should listen to them sometimes instead of trying to (laughs) be stoic and I don't know, some, some idea of what it means to be, you know, an adult
0: If you are listening to this and you've tried meditation, you've tried journaling, you've tried CBT or talk therapy, and all of it is just not, really helping anymore or it's missing the mark, you're still in your head, you're not really feeling your emotions, then go to sexmoneyreach.com, sign up for my free emails. I talk about how to get into your body, how to get into your nervous system to release this stuff at the source. It's all about how to go towards your feelings, how to feel them physically in your body and release the survival stress, the fight, flight, freeze energy from your nervous system. And once you do that, it helps take the load off your body, of your physical body. So you have more energy to fight illnesses in your immune system. You get your life force back, which is something that anxiety and depression rob from you so often. So if that sounds good, if that sounds interesting, if you're curious to know more, go to sexmoneyrage.com. It's free. It's just something I'm super, super passionate about. I know. It's like, why couldn't we like just come out of the womb? Like Having emotional maturity. <laughs>
1: right, right. That but it, it just
0: doesn't happen <laughs> that way. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, you know, like we go through, I mean, kids are very expressive. Kids are very in touch with their emotions, I feel. But it's like as we get older, like we lose touch with that and we hold it in because it's not cool to be sad or it's not cool to just be ourselves. And so we start like, you know, putting these walls up and controlling, you know, the, I guess, the mask or the, you know, identity we show to the world. And then, it, you know, we go through all these sort of hardships as we bit when we're younger. And then it's almost like your twenties and thirties or your adult life is just untangling it all. And like you mm. said, learning how to feel your emotions, you know, like who knew it would be so, you know, such a challenge, but so many people don't do it. So many people still don't feel their emotions. Yeah. And yeah you know, they're, they're disconnected. So I think, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you, you know, like at least we're learning it now. And, and, um, yeah, exactly. And, and, and so I guess like you sort of touched on some of the benefits of, of being more embodied and doing the somatic work, but yeah, maybe like what, what are some sort of noticeable things, um, that you've seen in yourself? Um, you mentioned earlier that you feel like you sort of know who you are a bit more. Um, what, what does that look like?
1: yeah um the whole sort of yeah knowing who you are thing um it's something that's ongoing but I feel like we all have kind of layers of identity at least for myself and the more I do this sort of work the more I peel back the layers of who I thought I was and I realise like hey that was just it's just a role i played or that was you know just something that that was just a, a way of being in the world that came about as a reaction to certain events that happens you know when i was yeah. younger um so that's sort of you know when I, when we started the podcast podcast i sort of touched on how you know i had a few different sort of identities or played these different roles at different times in my life and i think I think it's, you know, in a way that, that kind of continues, but it's, it's a bit different now. It's like, it's like sort of peeling back the layers of who I thought I was and realizing that, Hey, that's not who I am. There's, there's something deeper than that. So that just continues to just blow my mind because, um, so like a big thing that I've, that's come up for me lately is, um, just kind of like dynamics, like energetic sort of dynamics in relationship. Um, and I've realized that I tend to, have a tendency to fall into a little bit of almost like a caretaker type role or, um, a bit of a sort of like rescuer or just a Mm -hmm. a kind of dynamic where it's, it's not really balanced. Um, you know, and I've been drawn to work in, you know, the mental health kind of field and, um, because I want to help people. And that's, that, that's true. Like that's, that's a true part of me. Like I actually want to help people. I care about people. I want people to see people doing well, um, especially people who've been through similar experiences to me. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that's it's kind of at my core. But the way that that plays out sometimes shows up as me overextending myself and giving too much of myself to other people and, you know, not having enough, energy or um just life force left left for me and for my stuff because trying to you kind of get into this especially if you work in mental health like anyone who works in mental health or or that sort of sector probably know what i'm talking about it's very easy to burn out because it seems like there's an endless stream of clients who have um like very heavy, very serious issues and you really feel for them um, and you want to help them as much as you can. And sometimes you end up kind of sacrificing your own well-being to try and help someone else and you end up feeling drained and you feel like you're giving everything that you can possibly give and it's still not enough. And that's something that I've realized recently and I would not have been aware of that, I don't think, if I hadn't done a lot of this kind of work um with the somatic somatic therapy and, and even with meditation just having that kind of self-awareness um but it's really clicked for me lately and so when I talk about like getting closer to who I actually am I've started thinking well like I'm on this path to, to you know to work in these um, spaces as a counselor or you know even just as a support worker and you know that's something I really care about but it's like, is that really me or is that just another role that I'm playing? It's like, what's mm-hmm. actually behind that? And it just, it just keeps going. Like, um, and obviously, you know, yeah, I'm not one of these people that says like, oh, you need to get to the point where you have no ego and you're just, you know, you're just the still set a point of you know, being and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's, it, oh, there's, there's a place for all that, but you know, if you're living in the world, like the real world, you need to have an ego, like your ego is not a bad thing. Your ego protects you. It sets boundaries and enables you to, um, you know, defend those boundaries and just operate in the world and just, yeah, like you you need it. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's been a big thing for me lately is that, and um, it's just, it's just, it's a great journey. Like it's not easy, um, but this it's a real journey of self-discovery for me. Like going through, what seems really simple, but it's almost like starting a relationship with yourself. Like that's real and trying to honor yourself as you go through life and different phases. And, um, like it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Um, so, that was kind of, I sort of got a bit off track there. You sort of, you more. No, no, it's are. good.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, in terms of yeah. what's changed in a more kind of uh, sort of less abstract way, um, I think that within myself, at least, um, I'm in my head a lot less. I used to be very much in my head and um, get dragged into all kinds of different you know, ways of thinking that were just not helpful. Um, so, and that that had been the case for most of my life, I think, you know, I'd be very quick to jump on some kind of bandwagon, some new idea about, you know, um, whatever it might be, but it, it, it really just, it really just doesn't matter. Like um, a, a lot of the things that I would spend time thinking about just really had no impact on my life or no impact on the way I felt like, um, you know, even during the the whole COVID thing. You know, I was doing a lot of, you know, research into alternative sort of viewpoints and, you know, should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Like all this sort of stuff. And I'd I'd spent so much time thinking about it and obsessing over it. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like just, if you just be in this moment now and do your best to be embodied, whatever comes up, you're in the best possible place to face it. Like whether you have all the answers yeah. or not, if you're connected with yourself and you're, you know, grounded and not up in up in the clouds in your head, um, but you're living or trying to live from a more body-based gut instinct level of awareness, whenever a challenge or an issue comes up, you're perfectly positioned to respond to that because in my opinion, the greatest authority of, you know, what to do in life, it doesn't come from anything external. It doesn't come from the media or the government or, you know, some guru or religious leader. It comes from yourself and learning to to hear that kind of inner voice or inner calling. Um, like if you, if you're in touch with that, like you're sweet.
0: <laughs> yeah, You have all the yep. guidance. In me. Um,
1: so that's probably yeah. been the biggest thing. And that continues to develop, um, you know, over time. Um, what would other people say in terms of what they've seen changing me? I think they'd probably say I'm a bit more grounded. Yeah. A bit more grounded, maybe have a bit more of a, just maybe more of a calm sort of stable sort of, energy i feel like i don't get my i don't get my feathers ruffled quite as easily um and that's not because when something happens i'll sit there and be like i need to take three deep breaths and then everything's gonna pass or you know any kind of quick (laughs) technique like that it's more like maybe someone will say something that i don't like and and i feel that and i'm like oh i didn't like that i can feel that anger in my body it's like well that's okay um and then just just being with, with what comes up. So I still got a long way to go. Um, as we all do, but yeah, another big thing that I think I'd like to touch on is, um, just, just anger or rage and Mm. just how that shows up in, in our lives. Because, um, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience obviously, but I've had a lot of anger, um, for a long, a long time, like, like since I was quite young and it was for me, that's probably been one of the biggest emotions has been anger or rage. And, yeah. um, I think when I was younger, I really didn't know what to do with that. So I'd bottle it up and I'd push it down and try and just, uh, yeah, just, didn't want to, didn't want to look at it. Didn't want to feel it because when it came up, it was, you know, it was a bit scary. Um, when I joined the army, like people who've been in the army would know, like a big part of the army is anger work. How to harness mm-hmm. that anger and harness that aggression in a way that's controlled, and you can almost sort of use it as as fuel, almost. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that this is healthy. I'm just saying this is what the army does. So coming yep. from a place prior to my joining the army where I was pushing everything down and blowing it up and then going into the army where they are very much encouraging you to let that anger out, whether you're doing an obstacle course or a bayonet assault course or some kind of, you know, whatever it might be like more, um, you know, MMA type stuff or whatever. They really want to see that, that controlled aggression and, and teach you how to, tap into that so for me like when i was in the army it was just like i'd go to work every day and we'd be doing even if it was you know the the morning run or you know the gym or maybe we'd be out in the bush doing something or different exercises tapping into that aggression my um like i I wasn't angry because i had this had this release like almost every day at work um like you know Mm. being in the military and um for me that was just like everything in my life got better because I wasn't bottling up this, this anger. I I had a healthy outlet for it. Um, What happened when I got out of the army was that I didn't have that same environment where it was acceptable to express anger in a healthy way. And my kind of go-to thing has always been exercise. Like, I'll go to the gym, I'll do boxing. You know, I, I I did Muay Thai for a while in Thailand. Like that was my way of coping. That was sort of my first, uh, kind of coping mechanism, I suppose, was, was the gym or running or just some kind of physical activity because it gets you in your body. It gets you out of your head. But when I got out of the army, I had a few different injuries. Like I got a, a bad shoulder and, you know, just a, a bunch of stuff that means that i can't train the way that i would like to train i can't go and hit a punching bag the way i'd like to and to really try and shift and move some of that energy and so everything started building up again and it's just like oh what am i going to do i was trying talk therapy and everything it wasn't until i sort of uncovered the nervous system world where they talk about healthy aggression and, you know, um healthy anger. Because being angry is not a bad thing. It's like it's a very natural it's what you do with it. It's what you do with it. Mm. Right, exactly. So if you have a healthy outlet for it or a healthy way of expressing it, and that doesn't mean even expressing it to anyone else. You can be completely on your own. It just it goes a long way. And um, you know, there's a lot of different techniques for that. Um, but yeah, just that's been a, a big piece for me and that's something that I continue to work on is to try and not let myself get to the point where I feel like I need to bottle things up um or I need to push things down. And I think one way to do that is you know, healthy boundaries because usually if I'm angry about something, it's it's usually related to boundaries, feeling like a boundary's been overstepped or yeah some kind of trust has been violated or something like that. So I think for me, yeah, the, the anger work has been another huge piece because um, tying it back into the freeze response. If you're not in touch with your anger, if you're not in touch with that kind of healthy aggression, like that's, that's your life force. That's the part of you that is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's survival energy. Like if you're out somewhere, say in the woods or in the bush and you know, a bear pops up, you get this rush of adrenaline, you, you, you get that, that charge, that's what's keeping you alive, and that's very closely yeah. linked to healthy aggression or anger. And if you're suppressing that and pushing that down, you're basically blocking or damming up your life force. So, and that shows up as depression, yeah, or, or fatigue, or not having motivation to get things done that you know you need to do and you want to do. It's just like you have you have no fuel in the tank because you're you're blocking that life force from flowing. Um, so that's been another big piece of the puzzle for me. Um, and yeah, it's a tricky one because I think, you know, shit happens, (laughs) but having the, having the tools and the the sort of framework to, to look at it a bit differently, um, rather than just thinking I'm pissed off to be able to then go Mm -hmm. in and, actually sit with that feeling and, you know, try and try and work with it. It, it does make a big difference. I, I mean, have you had much, um, like, was that a, a big, uh, sort of piece of the puzzle for you?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I put, I put rage in the title of the podcast. Cause I was just, it's been, well, sex, money and rage are kind of been the three big things that have, um, that I've had to work through, um, in some way or another. So, but yeah, rage for sure. I was afraid of my anger for so long. And when it started coming up, I was like, holy shit, this is a lot of energy. This is a, there's a lot of rage here. Um, and, but yeah, I love, I love what you said about, you know, anger being, you know, it's a survival response. Like it's the fight in fight or flight, you know, and, and it's, it's something that like you said is, it asserts boundaries. And when that's suppressed, like we, like anger keeps us safe, rage keeps us safe. It's an action oriented emotion. And so if we're suppressing that, you know, someone's taking advantage of us, we're not going to speak up, you know, we're not going to push back if someone's, you know, treating us badly. And it was interesting, like, as I got more in touch with my anger and my rage and really started to embody it and feel it like in my hands, my hands would start clenching like a tiger, you know, like a, like a claw almost, or I could feel it all through my jaw, you know, through my teeth and and feeling like I want to growl like a tiger and really you know, often when I have rage come up it's feeling like, okay, how can I embody this? Like an animal would, you know, um, you know, do I bear my teeth? You know, do I growl? Do I, you know, um, rip a towel? Like, like what, like mm. not that an animal would sit there and rip a towel, but yeah. you know, like to, to destroy something in some way in, in a controlled way. Um, there's been times that I've had rage come up and I've hurt my throat because I was growling so forcefully. So, it's definitely something, you know, learning to control, let it, let it out in a controlled way. But as I got more in touch with my rage, I stood up to a lot of people in my life and, um, ended relationships and things. So right. it's very, very powerful. Like you said, it's a life force, um, much like sexual energy, you know, and, and it has a lot of power, you know, and it's, it's really beautiful. And it, and I don't think rage is, you know good or bad in and of itself it's it's how you use it you know do you inflict it on yourself do you inflict it on the people around you or do you find a healthy way to release it and and you know let it out because it's energy and as long as we're holding that energy in like that's taking energy away from us you know from our nervous system and so that's where we're getting sick you know we're getting like you said fatigued and and not you know but then also not sleeping well so you know, the more dysregulated we are, the more issues you're going to have in your physical body. So I'm, yeah, I've found rage to be, yeah, really, really beautiful, um, experience.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree with everything that you said. Yeah. Especially with, um, yeah. the growling, like I, I think that yeah, making sounds, um, to express anger, um, is, yeah, for me, probably one of the best ways, um, to kind of, to work with it, um, you know, and allowing yourself to snarl a little bit and, and, and growl and, um, get that kind of, uh, distortion in, in your sort of voice, almost, um, that kind of gr- the sort of gravelly growling sort of thing. Something about that seems to, yeah. seems to wake something up and, and allow you to, to really, feel that, that sensation and, and, and to work with it and to move it. Um, yeah, maybe don't do it, you know, in the middle of a shopping center, people might be <laughs> <laughs>
0: unless might you want to attract looks. some attention. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, yeah, If you have a quiet place, I think that it can work. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I probably would also say that, uh, you know, things like martial arts and, um, jujitsu, I mean, I've, I've, done a lot of jujitsu, but from what I understand, that's, that's a great way to work with that and to remain in calm when that sort of fight flight, um, system gets, yeah. gets tripped. Um, but yeah, you know, things like boxing, even running, even running can be a good way. It's like, um, yeah, anything that definitely. you can do where you can find that edge of physical discomfort and it's like, you, it's sort of like you get a second wind and you sort of feel like, no, like I can do this. And it's like, oh, it's a great feeling. Um, people who've, yeah. who've done a lot of running or a lot of, you know, um, in CrossFit or, or whatever it might be would know what I'm, what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's like this, this other energy comes over you. Like once you've been working out for a while and then you're like, Oh, I feel this fire. Like, let's go. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, But like you said, you know, it's, um, anger is, is neither good nor bad. It's just, just is what it is. Um, it's, it's what we do with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned running. I, um, I, yeah, felt this, I didn't feel rage, I guess, before I started running, I just felt really like, just like a sloth, just really like, blob-like, you know, didn't want to do anything. And I was like, I just feel like I need to move my body. So I went for a run and yeah, it was like every, I actually wrote an email about this, but every step I took, it was like, I was pushing the rage into the road. And there's something about doing, doing sprints. So I did a set of sprints and there's something about just pushing, like you said, pushing your body to that limit and Mm. pushing to the edge. And I actually started like growling while I was sprinting. I was like, Whoa, there's all this rage that's coming up. And I think also like the good part about exercises is it's like you're, it's raising your heart rate. So you're going into a sympathetic, um, state, which helps to move some of these energies out. So it was really cool. And, and I was just like, yeah, like having these rage, you know, charges come out of me while I was sprinting. And, mm. and it was funny, I had like a few Peruvians, like looking over me like, like, what the fuck is she on <laughs> about? <laughs> you know? But it just, it just, <laughs> it felt really good. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's like finding these, um, you know, I guess tools that match, the energy that we're feeling like, you know, whether it's sprints, whether it's listening to heavy metal music, whether it's doing martial arts, like you said, finding some sort of physical, um, or whatever activity to try and match that energy that you're feeling. And then it can help it move through the body. I find, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned that when you were running, you, you would have like, as your feet were landing, you'd sort of have be growling or releasing sort of sounds. I can definitely relate to that. I was, actually did a bit of boxing for the first time, um, a few days ago and just instinctively just throwing some punches the the sound started coming out, like, like sort of growls, just, just, I I don't know, just sound wanted to come out and I was like, all right, I'm going to let it out. And it it changes the experience. Um, if you like, if you're just doing it, and you're like very, you know, maybe jaw clenched and no sound coming out. It, it feels one way, but if you're exercising and you're gr- you're grunting, it's like grunting and and yeah. you know, making these sort of vocal noises. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but something happens. Like <laughs> something happens, and yeah. it's it feels good. It feels really <laughs> good.
0: Yeah, it's like you can feel it, like come out of your like abdomen. Cause for me, like, mm. I feel it like you feel it in your body. And so it's almost like the growling. It's like, you, I can feel it traveling up out of my abdomen through my throat and like out my right. mouth kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not like you're pushing from your throat. It's coming from deep, like your diaphragm. Yes, somewhere deep. It's, everything is kind of opened up and it's, it feels, yeah. it doesn't even feel like sound. It feels like energy just coming out. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah,
0: it's super cool. It's super cool. Yeah, Yeah, no, thanks for for touching on rage. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's something I it has a special place in my heart. (laughs) Um (laughs) for sure. But um so so I guess what what made you decide to get into the ketamine therapy then? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um I mainly did that at the recommendation of a therapist I was working with. Um so this is going back probably about i suppose nearly a year i've been working with this guy for some time and he's great he's he's an awesome therapist um he's not a somatic therapist he's more um a bit more cognitive but he's amazing Mm -hmm. what he does so um you know and i i do think there is a place like for both i think that traditional talk therapy still definitely has its place. It's just for me, it it wasn't the full picture. Um, But having the somatic practices that I do every day, combining that with regular counseling or or, or therapy, that seems to be the winning combo, um, at at least for me. Um, But he sort of recommended it um, as something to try, uh, mainly to help with... um, like sleep, sleep issues, and um, just sort of like general low mood, um, and so I sort of was like, okay, I'll, I'll you know I trust this guy, I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, I wasn't in a in a, a, a bad place when um, when I started it, but it was yeah, it was more just like okay, like you know, this is all this stuff, whether it's MDMA therapy, ketamine therapy, psychedelics, it seems to be kind of you know the forefront of it seems to be the, a big part of the way that mental health treatment is going. I was like, okay, well, um, let's give it a go. Yeah. So um, I went in and <clears throat> it's, it's all, this is all completely above board legal, all that sort of stuff um, here in Australia, by the way, it's, it wasn't some dodgy <laughs> sort of, sort of setup, um,
0: <laughs> Underground.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's all, all um, completely yeah. Yeah, above board. So I, the way it works is I'd go into a, uh, like a hospital, and they would, it'd usually be about four people doing it. Um, and, um, you get your own sort of like little room or, and, and like bed and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's a, it's an infusion of ketamine. So it's, um, sort of like a drip. Okay. And, um, it lasts about an hour, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and the experience is very, but gen- Interesting. yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. Like I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a pretty strange experience. Um, yeah. And the way that they run it is the first two weeks, it's kind of like you're basically putting a lot of it into your system. So I think you do six sessions within two weeks. So you do like a Monday, okay. Wednesday, Friday sort of thing. So you go in each of those days and do an infusion and yeah. that's pretty full on because the experience itself is not exactly pleasant, like stuff comes up. So for me, uh, you know, it would always be first thing in the morning, you know, I'd I'd get there at like five in the morning or something and and go in and, um, you know, that they do all their, you know, checks and all that sort of stuff, make sure everything's good to go. And then you basically lie in a bed and, um, have like a, Eye mask on. So I have my own sort of eye mask that I take. And it's like completely blackout. So no light can get in. And then I have noise cancelling headphones and I'll listen to usually just instrumental, ambient, classical type music, that sort of thing. No, no parkway drive, no heavy metal, just <laughs> just just soothing, nice, you know, calming calming sort of stuff. So yeah. um and they give you the infusion and you lie there, and usually what happens with me is the first sort of five minutes or so, um, I'm like, oh, you know, I don't feel anything. I just feel tired because it's so bloody early in the morning. But then usually what happens is at some point I realize like, oh, um, (laughs) something is definitely different and you start to – it's a bit different from, you know, things like mushrooms and some other psychedelics. For me, it feels like my awareness – becomes a single point and it's not confined to anything physical. Um, so it's a little bit similar to doing like a float tank. Um, you okay. kind of like if I lie still, you kind of don't have a sense of your body. So you you sort of whatever your awareness is because your eyes are shut as well. So it's, it's not your vision because normally – most people think, oh, like if they're looking around, they're like, that's that's my awareness. That's my, you know, that's Mm -hmm. me, but your eyes are shut. So, but there's something there. The core of your awareness is kind of unhooked from, um, you know, the physical sensation of having a body and, and then she just gets wild. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like, but it's I've had experiences where I felt like I was traveling down some kind of tunnel or vortex type thing. I had an experience that felt like I was, you know, like going into the matrix, like how in that scene where Neo touches the mirror and he becomes, oh, yeah, like, goes into some sort of thing like that. I've had experiences where it felt like I was almost like an orb, like a floating kind of orb of awareness. And I was able to go back into memories from the past. And it was, it was almost like virtual reality, virtual reality. Like I could go into the memory and like fly around the room and just be like, Oh, I'm going to go in this room. And I'd go in there and look around and everything was like, like photorealistic sort of thing. Um, so I don't really have any explanation for what the hell ketamine is or what that experience is. Apart from that, it's, it's wild. It's very strange. Um, yeah. I don't really know how to explain it, but some stuff came up a few times for me on it. Um, it was definitely some tears, um, during the infusion, um, you know, processed a lot of, uh, grief and, um, you know, feelings of loss and things like that. Um, but the biggest thing has been, it's been a great way for me to work through fear. Um, because I think for a long time I had a fear of, I don't know if it's a fear of death, but kind of just a fear that the universe wasn't a benevolent and safe place and was something scary and that I couldn't let my guard down. Um, and it really helped me to work through a lot of that sort of thing. I've heard some people say actually online that the ketamine experience is quite similar to a near-death experience, like in the, the sort of higher doses. Right. Um, And I don't know if that's true, but that's, that's what I've heard other people say. So it really helped me work through a lot of my existential kind of, um, stuck points or issues to do with, you know, being here in this life and what comes next and heaven and hell and God and all all that sort of stuff, um, that I probably had a lot of conditioning towards due to growing up, um, going to church, so I think yeah like it was it's been really helpful to develop a sense of equanimity with all that stuff and um the shifts that I've seen from it in terms of particularly like particularly that kind of fear have been pretty amazing and I don't think I could have got there um in the same amount of time any other way like it's been some pretty big yeah. shifts but there you know like most things there's pros and cons some of the the downsides of the experience is for the sort of few days afterwards maybe 3 or 4 days afterwards i'm i'm a bit spacey like i'm not really i'm not really embodied i suppose would be a good way to put it which um for me is like that's everything like that embodiment so mm. um i think it's it's great you know, if you're someone who's in a position where it, it might be helpful for you, it's a very, a very valuable thing to possibly try. But I think long-term it's, it's not really the way to go. It's sort of like, it's sort of like going into a pressure cooker for an hour and having a bunch of stuff that you've been hanging on to sometimes often subconsciously come up and you get a chance to face it and, and work through it. Um, but then afterwards, you know, everything's been stirred up and there's lots of different things churning around in the system. So there's definitely an integration period after the sessions. Um, but yeah, I I think long-term, it's not something that I'll do. Um, at the moment I do it maybe once every two months, somewhere, somewhere around there. Um, and I'm probably only going to do it maybe once or twice more um because i think there's great value in it but for me the the disassociation sort of um and disconnection that i feel uh for the few days afterwards it's that's it's really not worth it to me like for me that's that's everything being embodied is everything for, for me these days and um I feel like I've kind of worked through most of the things that I can work through with the ketamine, um, but yeah, what a crazy experience! Like if if anyone <laughs> has an opportunity to do it, um, you'll you'll see what I mean. It's just it can't I can't put it into words. <laughs> I bet.
0: Yeah. It sounds, yeah, really interesting. Um, and yeah, interesting, like that, like you mentioned, you know, it was really good helping you work through fear and being able to go into memories and, and fly around that, that, you know, having that distance and separation, but then, and then also seeing, yeah, like the, the sort of the, the con I guess is more like that, not being embodied and feeling a bit disconnected and, and do you, do you find that you become more embodied? Like it's just for a few days that you feel disconnected or, and then it's sort of, you, you get back to yourself or is it, how long does that last?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, it sort of varies usually about maybe four days, somewhere around there. And each time I do it, like, Cause normally I do it in the morning, come home and cause it's, it's an anesthetic essentially, like it's a disassociative anesthetic. So I come home and I need to have a, have a rest, have a sleep, but then I wake up and usually the first thing I do is I go and sit out in the backyard and, and do some somatic stuff to try and, you know, um, come, come back to myself. Yeah. And I feel like for a couple of days, it's, it's harder to, to connect um, it's almost like if you imagine the embodiment or somatic practices and it's almost like a muscle that you, that you, that you train and, and that gets stronger by doing the, the, the practices for a few days after ketamine, it's almost like that muscle is like asleep, And so it's a little bit harder to connect. Right. Um, it's not, not in a bad way. Cause I know that it's just, that's just the physical effect that it has on my body. Um, my understanding of it is. At first, I thought when I was doing the ketamine that it was taking me out of my body and out into the universe, or you know, God knows where, because that's what it felt like. But more recently, I've sort of thought the opposite—that it's actually—it feels like it's taking me in. It's taking me into my subconscious or into my psyche, but on like a almost like I've been shrunk down and have gone into my subconscious and I'm flying around in there and everything I see in there is, um, or everything I experience, there, it's all parts of me because you hear people talk about big psychedelic experiences where they go out and they see aliens and, you know, they're like maybe these aliens or entities are actually really out there, but with the ketamine experience, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like everything that I'm experiencing. It's like, it's like my own internal landscape of my subconscious. Mm. And once that kind of clicked for me, I was like, Oh, okay. I think I have a better, better idea of how to work with this now. Um, coming out of it, it's sort of like, um, you know, the doctor said to me it's basically what's happening is your subconscious mind and your conscious mind are sitting down and having, having a chat, they're having a meeting and Mm. that's what the experience is. And it's, there's been some research that it promotes, um, like neurogenesis or like neuroplasticity. So like helping the mind or the brain to learn new ways of doing things. So similar to psychedelics, oh, you know, things like mushrooms or whatever. Um, so I think it's important in the sort of week or so following to do the practices and the habits that, that you want to try and bring into your life. Well, you know, that's, that's how I approach it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it feels very much like a journey into the subconscious. Whereas my experiences with say mushrooms I didn't really have that same kind of, kind of quality to the same extent.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I actually had, oh, yeah, on mush when I have mushrooms, it feels very, introspective sort of what you're describing with the ketamine, which is interesting. So yeah. Do they, do they like your, your psychologist, um, does, do they give you instructions or say, you know, sit in the room with you or are you just sort of alone with your headphones and your eye mask? And sort
1: of? Yeah. Um, some places do that. Um, I mean, I actually don't know that there's that many places in Australia that do the ketamine therapy. Um, but, Mm -hmm. um, from what I've heard over in the States, that's pretty common. They basically do a therapy session. Mm -hmm. I can't really imagine doing that. Um, yeah, it's, I can't imagine holding conversation during it. It's when I (laughs) do it, it's like, it's, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's a solo journey. And, um, yeah, once I put the, the music playlist on and, you know, put my eye mask on. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm going on an adventure and <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be back in an hour sort of thing. Yeah. So of um, I'm not sure if that's just due to dosage. Maybe they do smaller doses, but um, I'm pretty sure that the doses that, that I've done have been quite, Yeah, you know, people talk about this thing called the K-hole and mm-hmm. I mean, I, so I, I've never done, um, like full disclosure, I've never done ketamine in any other setting. So I haven't had any experience with it in a recreational sort of sense. Um, but yeah, I I imagine that the infusion is somewhere in the realm of, you know, a K hole, um, which is, you know, quite, quite an intense experience. Um, yeah. But apart from that, like I don't really, I mean, I, I have done mushrooms and, you know, different um, psychedelics and plant medicines in the past, but it's been at least two years now since I've done any kind of microdosing or any kind of, um, you know, plant work at all. Um, it's just been for the last little while been trying the ketamine, but I really like the feeling of being being clear and, um, and not being... Uh, even, even something like microdosing as, gr- as great as it is, or as great as it can be, it's still, I, I just, I just like the feeling of just being just completely 100% clear. Um, uh, cause I feel like mm. that's when I'm able to think and operate, um, as, as good as I can. And, um, I did work at a I actually worked at a rehab for a while. Um, for about six months and just like doing support work. And that was, wow. That was a, um, a very opening ex- experience for me. Um,
0: Was it like a drug and alcohol rehab? Oh so? yeah. Yeah.
1: Sorry. Yeah. So it was a drug and alcohol, um, okay. rehab. And it was a place where people come, um, either voluntarily or maybe they're, um, you know, they've come from straight from, from jail or they're court ordered to be there. And, um, very big mix of different people um from all walks of life and they're usually there for a minimum of eight weeks and the full program is up to about a year so they essentially live on site and it's like it's a community it's a it's very much a a community and um well so the model is called therapeutic community or tc um and that is sort of the it's about people with lived experience coming together in a common setting. And the tagline is sort of community as method." So the community, like the relationships that are built and learning how to have proper boundaries and deal with responsibilities and authority and all, all these different things, um, all are encompassed in this sort of therapeutic community model. Um, but yeah, I worked, I worked, um, I worked there for six months and yeah, like that's, that was a game changer. Like, um, in so many ways, like seeing people who in the past, maybe I would have had some bias or some judgment towards like people who, you know, have come straight from the hospital detox unit where they've just detoxed off, with alcohol or methamphetamine or, you know, whatever it might be. And they come in and they usually don't look too healthy, you know, maybe it might be a bit underweight or just, you know, cause they've been in serious drug addiction for a long time. And then seeing them two, three months later, and they look like a completely different person because they've been eating properly. They've been working through their stuff. They've been, you know, doing a bit of exercise and ha- had healthy people to speak to around them. It's like, it's like, Holy wow, shit. Like it cool. doesn't even look like the same person. And it's just like getting to be a part of that and getting to, to hear some of these people's um, stories was, oh, it really affected me in, in a positive way. Um, Cause that's I think so it's cool. so easy to have judgments about people like maybe you see you know the homeless person on the street corner and you think oh like what are they doing what why can't they just get a job or why don't they just you know do this or that and it's very easy to sort of sit back and sort of you know have these judgments but when you um actually talk to these people and and hear their story and hear what they've been through it's like wow like fuck you're fucking incredible like that you like some of these people that i've met and worked with are so unbelievably strong and like just have so much life in them that it's like it blows my mind and to, to hear what the amount of trauma that some people have been through and then to see how they are in the world like and they still have love in their heart and they still they're still kind to other people it really yeah really restored my um my faith in humanity, I think working there, which is, you know, I I didn't expect that when I, you know, signed up for the job, but it was a really positive experience. Um, but you know, once again, I learned a lot about myself and about boundaries and overextending myself and those sorts of things. So, um, you know, working in that sector is, is, is very hard, but yeah. What, what a great experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds super rewarding. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Super cool. Um, yeah, well, we're, we're sort of coming up, I guess, to the, to the end of time, but, um, what, what, what do you see as being, I guess, next for you? What, what do you sort of see, um, as being, I guess, the next step in, in your journey? What do you think? Where do you think life will go next? I don't know if that's a too open-ended question. (laughs) I mean,
1: we don't know the future, but yeah. um, What what do you, um, yeah. I really, as we were talking about before, you know, like trying to peel back those layers and find out what's really at the core of of who we are, um, that's the biggest thing for me, following that impulse of, you know, like I don't really know what comes next, but I'm trying to be honest with myself and be real with myself and I know that that kind of inner guidance of my true self will show me and will lead me to where I need to be. Um, In a more kind of practical sense, what does that mean? I'm probably going to keep working with people in some capacity, um, be it in the drug and alcohol sector, mental health. Um, I would love to work with uh, veterans and ex-military because I think there's a real need for that. Um, there's a, there's a real need for that in not just Australia, but like across, across the world. Um, you know, uh, the, the whole kind of, you know, army or military sort of system, including deployments and all that sort of stuff, it takes a toll on everyone who's involved in it in some way. You know, people think that they can go to somewhere like the Middle East and come back and be, unaffected. Um, and that's, yeah, I don't believe that. I think it affects everyone in some way. And, um, so I really feel a a bit of a call towards working in those spaces, but, um, outside of that, I've been really just had this, had this fire for music again, which I haven't felt in a long time. Like I've been playing guitar for probably 20 years and singing for a while and, you know, writing music for a long time. And, just the last month or two, it's just been like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta really, you know, put some, put some music out. So that's the cool. most sort of uh, pressing thing on, on my kind of agenda is to to record some music, maybe start a YouTube channel, r- record an EP professionally, or, you know, do an album or something. And just, um, it's just, it's just something I have to do. It's just I've been putting it off for a long time and um, seeing seeing other people around me, you know, you know like my sister, um, she's extremely creative and seeing her succeed with her art has been very inspiring to me. So I think, yeah, yeah. it's just those are probably the two biggest things. Um, but once again, you know, I I, I don't know uh, exactly what's next, but but I feel good about it. I don't feel stressed about the future anymore. I feel like I have everything I need within myself to, to face whatever comes next and to, to thrive.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's so good to hear. I mean, that's like, I think the ultimate goal is just to feel like, yeah, you can handle whatever life throws at you and just to be excited for the future. Even if you don't know what that is like, that's, that's so cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Jack, so much for coming on, on the podcast. We'll we'll wrap it up there. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for
1: having me. It's been great.
0: Yeah. No worries. Thanks for listening and making it this far. Uh, once again, just hit the subscribe or follow button, smash it really hard. It'll make my day and make sure notifications are ticked so that I can spam you throughout the week. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, It'll just send you a pop-up notification when new episodes are live. That's it for me. Have an epic week. Do something crazy fun that you wouldn't normally do. And I will catch you next time.